0: I am here with Scott Santens. Um, thank you so much for coming, Scott. And also, we have uh, Angelo, Faye D., Hannah Wan, Ariel, Fekou, and Moto. We are all basic income advocates. We are eager to talk to you. Scott Santons. Um, perhaps at the, the vanguard of the basic income movement, or close to it, I would say. Um, so thank you again. Um, if everyone would like to just very quickly introduce themselves, and then Scott can just, uh, you know, say who he is uh, for anyone who's watching and listening, does not know who he is. Um, and uh, then we'll have an open discussion. So, uh, Angelo, if you could just please, in brief, say hello, who, say who you are. Well, my name is Angelo Mendoza. I am hello. a UBI advocate and a member of the Yang Gang attempting to discuss um, this issue with Congress. Thank you. Uh, Faye D.,
1: Hello, I'm Faye Doney. My username is at tisdoney, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y, and I've been working hard to continue Yang's message.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Um, And Hannah Wan.
1: Hi, my name's Hannah Wan. Um, I
2: am a citizen advocate for universal basic income and also Asian American representation. Uh, I'm currently senior staff with David Kim for Congress, hashtag YesWeKim. Uh, I'm on Twitter at NowHannahWan.
0: Thank you i'm uh, moto hi uh i'm kind of like the resident uh, bernie bro i guess here uh but also ubi uh endorsing individual uh, i'm a longtime friend of shales and uh, we talk politics a lot we do we do i'd say he's one of my political gurus even um fake who thank you about
2: hi um i'm currently running uh for national delegate for biden in uh, Texas Senate District 3, (laughs) but I'm usually a UBI advocate and full-on Yang Gang, and everybody knows about that, so I think that's about it. Thank
0: you very much, Faye. And Ariel.
3: Hi, my name is Ariel Bakshande. I guess I can introduce myself as a Toastmasters High Achiever Award winner. I love to uh, public speak. And you can find me on Twitter at at Ariel's underscore Armada. So that's uh, at A-R-I-E-L-S underscore A-R-M-A-D-A. And I would run for Congress in my district under UBI as a Republican if someone were willing to fund me. Let's put that out there.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Ariel. And Sheridan oh. here. On- and, and I also oh.
3: have a YouTube channel, Revolutionary Thinking.
0: Thanks. Sorry for cutting
3: you. And Sheridan, are you here?
0: Yes, I am indeed here. I'm Sheridan. I am a small business manager in New Mexico, and you can find me at j on Twitter. Wonderful. Thank you, Sheridan. Uh, so, Scott, thank you again for coming. Um, please introduce yourself, and then we will open the floor for discussion.
4: Yeah, well, thanks for uh, being here today, everybody, and uh, yeah, thanks for even starting up this channel and stuff in the first place. Um, my name is Scott Santens, and I'm a basic income advocate. I've been at this since 2013, and uh, I actually crowdfunded my own basic income starting in 2016, so I've been living with it, which has enabled me to focus on it full-time, to write about it, uh, to know more about it. Actually, I've experienced it, and um, I knew Yang since before I started running, and uh, you know that was really exciting. To hear that he was going to do that, and I was, you know, 100% behind that. And it was, uh, it was just transformative to see his see his run, watch how much he transformed the conversation. And um, I actually joined Mike Breuer's campaign in February uh, after Yang dropped out, and that was to push uh, his senatorial run against uh, Mitch McConnell. So the primary in Kentucky is coming up on June 23rd. And, uh, yeah, some big news today, too, where Yang actually endorsed, endorsed Mike today. So um, that's, that's some of that breaking news going on right now. And, uh, yeah, that was, was a big deal, and I'm, I'm happy to have the endorsement. And uh, let's hope we can do this. That's awesome, yeah. Isn't that, Mike's doing an AMA right now, isn't he? Or, um, like, no, while we do this. So I don't remember great. exactly what time it is, but it's definitely today. In fact, that yeah. room, I should okay. double-check that. So um,
0: so we've got Scott sentence a brief window of time now, but please, um, anyone who would like to begin talk, uh, with, with what we have. Um,
1: I, I, I have a quick question for you. So, um, I was looking at what, uh, a healthy society looks like and, um, like kind of, uh, I stumbled upon something that you, you and Yang both liked. And I'm curious, like, uh, where your source, uh, came from when coming up with UBI and all the other statistics. Like I remember seeing your, um, a lecture that you gave and you had a lot of statistics and I'm just curious, like what kind of sources you use to help, uh, launch yourself forward?
4: Uh, gosh, I I, I mean, uh, a lot of sources, a lot of sources. Um, you know, I, I try to, to, um, you know, focus on the evidence. And, you know, a lot of my sources, let's say when it comes to experiments comes from, you know, like the actual experiments. Um, you know, that was something that I dove into, uh, when I first discovered the idea and that was something that really drew me anyways, the fact that there were actually all these experiments, uh, even out there with data. And so, you know, just, you know, read those really long reports, um, you know, I still recommend that people even read something like the Namibia study. It's, I think like a couple hundred pages long and there's an entire book about the India, uh, program. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of information in there. And there's also just, uh, there's data from the, from the 1970s experiments in the U S and in Canada, a uh, bunch of stuff written about that. And, uh, uh, more recently, there's a lot of unconditional cash transfer stuff. Like cash transfers uh, have been something that's been on the rise, uh, pretty much since the turn of the century. And unconditional cash transfers, um, instead of as opposed to conditional cash transfers, there's been a lot more of that. It's been growing a lot, and so there's a lot of uh, data out there too to learn from as far as uh, what happens when people receive this unconditional cash with no, you know, they can do anything they want with, and don't have to qualify, you know, for. Um, and also when it comes to like data in general, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, apply like critical thinking as you do anything, like what, what makes sense? Um, what do you think is, is actually, um, you know, credible data in, in what isn't and I don't know, but when it comes to basic income and inc- unconditional cash transfers in general, there's just, um, uh, there's a lot out there and it's just clearly positive.
1: Uh, well, since no one else has questions, I guess. Uh, well, that's that's we great. had a list, didn't we? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, actually, I, I was wondering if we can go back to the conversation we were having before um, before we started recording. I thought that was really interesting. We started talking about um, like money as speech. And uh, for myself, I feel like um, there's this discussion about universal basic income uh, kind of being like a magic bullet for anything. Uh, and I kind of feel like, the discussion on universal basic income should be focused on covering basic needs because it would be great if people had extra cash to spend on uh, political campaigns, but that's not really what it's for, you know. So I, what do you think about like maybe limiting the discussion of, um, I guess, a, what what the primary purpose of universal basic income is?
4: I think there's a lot of ways to talk about UBI and I think they're all correct because each person has their own say preference as what's like important to them. Um you know even defining basic income a lot of people think that it has to be like a certain amount of money and it doesn't. It's really just about the design of it the fact that it's fully universal that it's unconditional that it's regularly provided and it's individual so you can actually have a very small ubi and so you know when smaller it is obviously it's kind of more towards basic needs but at the same time it's entirely unconditional so it goes to rich and poor which means that if you're already you know have because you're earning say three thousand dollars a month or four thousand dollars a month or whatever then it changes the way that that you look at that you know so it 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 removes, let's say, the the insecurity behind being able to cover your basic needs. But at the same time, if you already have an income, then it's adding to it at the same time as strengthening it, in which case use it for other things. And so if, um, you know, obviously someone who's barely getting by is not going to be able to use their basic income as, say, uh, you know, democracy dollars, um, which is why, you know, it's effective to have that separate policy to get at least $100, per person as far as a voucher goes to help pay for the campaigns that they want Uh, because even if you're essentially entirely broke then you can't use that money on say your basic needs you have to use it on um, campaign spending and so you know there's in that way you're limited but then for someone who has their basic needs covered they they very well could use let's say the entire $1,000 a month to actually go into political campaigns like that could be their thing you know and obviously um, you know you have your limits for one person, but you could actually put a thousand dollars a month into you know a bunch of different people 's campaigns throughout the year um, but there's so many other things you could use it on too, and I think that it 's important to um, recognize the 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 creativity involved as far as the way people use it as well like um uh it 's almost like a like a fingerprint that each person kind of uses their money in, in different distributions for different things. And that's why of the reasons why UBI is so effective is because whereas other things try to like say, okay, here's this amount for this and this amount for this and this amount for this, basic income is saying, well, here, and you can decide for yourself where that money goes. Um, but I think really like kind of the the key power behind basic income and, and what I stress um, over like the money part too and and I know Yang has talked about that as well, that it's not so much about the money, it's about what the money enables. Um it's that this unconditionality of it is is absolutely primary because if you know you're gonna get it no matter what, then that's way that's the that's where power comes from. That's the power to say no, that's the that's the power to to do what you want with it and not have to answer anybody. Um universality is also extremely important because then you don't have that stigma involved. And it also helps with the feeling that you've earned it because you're not different than other people. Those things are, I think, the primary um, of importance. And I think the money part of it is the, the at least the amount of money part is the, the least. It's all, about all that it enables. I like to say that kind of the definition of basic income um, is not so much like the typical definition, but it's just your thinking of, like say so the answer to the question, what is it that you're not doing because your basic, um, your basic needs are not provided uh, on a monthly basis it's like what is it that you're not doing And if you can think about what it is that you would do if you're if you had this secure amount of income every month then that's what it is because that's what it is to you kind of a personal definition
0: Angela, well, i'd like to play off that personal definition if i can uh you're in favor of an american scorecard type policy like angie yang was uh, proposing correct scott yeah. How would you implement into our tax couch so that businesses are actually incentivized to adhere to it?
4: Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's like a step-by-step kind of thing. So you'd start off and it, it's really society going, okay, profit is not the most important thing. Um, what is important? Um, you know, we decide that, that living longer is important, that, health is important, that reduced suicide rates and reduced, um, you know, instances of, of cancer and heart disease and these things are important. Um, and I think that that corporations and these things kind of, you know, follow suit. It's it's their part of society and it's up to society to determine um, what is important. And so, um, you know, you'd have to, it, even like this, it's not like corporations really changed so much in the first place. It's not like there were kind of laws that were different. It was like a culture that changed as far as the primacy of the profit motive and the return to shareholders being the absolute most important thing. And so, you know, if we're going to shift out of that, then it's a it's an entire cultural mind shift change where we have to, you know, everyone re- running those companies and everyone who's buying stock in those companies, um, it's that they are sh- what matters to them more instead of what has mattered for the last couple decades is now actually what matters to you know humanity and and how we um, together define what is more important to us.
3: So, you mind if I jump in? It's like we we all know like how important and how critical this uh, UBI idea is. But what have what what can we do in our own personal way to kind of get the ball rolling more? And what what are the biggest roadblocks that you've seen and what can we all do to just help in any way that we can?
4: Yeah, I, I get that question a, a lot. And um, first of all, I like to say that in, as far as like getting involved, like what is it you can do to get involved? That a Dan is like a personal answer. Um, it's it, you need to find something that you can like continually do. Um, and, be um you know not 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 just okay but like you would derive some kind of you know meaning from continually doing it um like i could not do what i've been doing for for years if i you know wasn't somehow meaningful you know i would have worn out a long time ago too if i thought that what i was doing it needed to have like some time limit like if i didn't achieve something within a certain amount of time then it was failed and i had to move on to something else like i've always i've looked at this as being like a long term marathon kind of situation where i have to just keep on going and going and going and so part of that is figuring out okay so what can i do that i can keep doing so for me that was um writing and you know, researching writing about blogs and i also um to kind of change it up i started doing more um like podcasts as far as like making those available um, audio wise. Um, also it's, it's, it's fun to, to be able to do stuff like this, have uh, like guest appearances and, and conversations um, like all of it together is something that I enjoy doing and uh, trying to connect with people and um, you know, just all of that it really my answer to that question is just trying to do anything that I can. So when someone asks me what they can do, yeah, the answer is, whatever you can do that you actually would like to keep doing and stick to doing. Um, and then don't be afraid to, to change it up. Like if you get tired of something and want to focus on something else, then, you know, do that. Um, don't feel that you have to be, you know, that there's only one way of going about it. Um, and of course there's more direct, uh, kind of typical answers. So, you know, you can, um, make sure and, and, say bug your your representatives about it like if you can become that person where they're like annoyed by you then at least they remember you and know why they're annoyed by you and so if there's more people that become that then you know the squeaky wheel gets the grease so it's a matter of becoming that squeaky wheel and um so that's you know calling and, and mailing your reps and you know of course um you know with our trending hashtag today with Yang gang congress it's about getting involved running for for not only Congress but there's lots of local positions that you can do to be um, more involved there and even though it's not like you can't immediately say um, implement basic income you can be like that um, you know like the mayor of Stockton who decided to you know help get that going in in his city and um, I think that there's room there too and I've seen this like in other countries as well where um, especially in canada say so you can start getting say um um city councils to like vote on basic income and say just in support of it it's not about passing it we just saying support of it and if you get you know city council through city council then suddenly you're like wait a second there's a hundred city councils that have voted in support of this this is like showing support and then that's what politicians pay attention to as well so really it's 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 like it's a it's about trying to get the attention of people and building that movement within people um, and and getting the attention of those with like larger networks and you know politicians media um, you know there's just so many different ways uh, of going about this and you know the more people are involved and from the all these different kinds of angles then that's how we you know get things going
0: great thank you so much. um uh, Hannah did you Want to say something? There's no need to um, to be called on or anything. Angelo said that you did want to interject, though. So if you, I do want to give you the yeah. chance.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah, I actually. Um, okay, so my candidate is running in a district that is uh, very progressive or has a, a huge um, progressive population, and um, and I think what I kind of learned from the Yang campaign in talking about UBI is that uh, I understand the whole uh, messaging. Towards, I guess, middle class people. Like, how can UBI help you, even though you're doing okay? Like, I, I totally understand that way of messaging, but I feel like, uh, I feel like maybe we're glossing over the basic, the basic part. You just like the visceral, like uh, we are going to take care of people in poverty. It's like, so I feel like maybe that was the reason behind uh, the progressive pushback on UBI, because we we're pushing UBI so hard that we didn't really consider uh the ecosystem of progressive policies you know so it's like yeah you can pay your medical premiums with ubi it's like no you shouldn't be doing that we should push medicare for all or universal health care and also ubi so uh, what do you feel about like making well, uh i guess ubi more integral instead of just speaking so much to ubi like make it like part of a suite of uh, progressive policies to really hit home that we are trying to take care of people and UBI is one way to do it.
4: Yeah so you're you're, you're touching upon even like a lot of the misinformation that was put out there by progressives um, as well and part of that was because Yang was running against Bernie Sanders and others and being a part of a primary there was an excuse to straight up lie about Yang's policies so you know Yang was running on universal healthcare and basic income. And yet he still had to fight against this this conversation that, right. oh, basic income was like helped you pay for your premiums. And then he wanted to eliminate Medicaid and Medicare and all this crap. And of course that wasn't true. I mean he was for both of those things. And I like to to make a point of stressing that that UBI is a is a floor. It's a missing floor. And it's almost like we built like a like a house or you know a building on just bare earth and now like the, yeah yeah and like you know the windows are cracking there's cracks in the walls and the stuff is falling apart and this is happening because we didn't build it on a foundation and so yeah the the thing about basic income is that this is an elevated foundational floor that no one is allowed to fall beneath and so you know right now uh, before even this all happened we had 13 million people in poverty in America who are receiving nothing from the federal government, and like the left doesn't like to talk about that. They don't like to discuss or even acknowledge like the holes in the safety net because there's a belief that if they talk about those holes, then it actually helps the conservatives further destroy the safety net. And so there's there's kind of like a yes we recognize there's a problem we don't want to talk about it or there's a let's pretend that there is no problem and let's not talk about it Um, but the thing about UBI is it does fix all those holes by creating a floor over all that and when we do have that foundational floor of course we still need to build walls and we still need to structure on top of it Um, but it does make sense to look at what it is we're building on it and ask questions and, and figure out like what does make sense so without a floor there's all sorts of things that we need uh, because we don't have that floor. But then when we say have it, then like, okay, so there's some programs that we don't need anymore. There's some there's programs, some programs. That, that we should be smaller and exist on top of it. And there's some programs that should absolutely be fully on top of it without any um, reduction of it at all. And I think a good a good example of that is, of course, healthcare, which should be universal. And you're looking at education, which also should be on top of it and universal, I think. So, and also, w- would you feel... I just want to touch upon those things first, right. too. Um, I just want to mention that that when you see the things that operate on top of basic income, they function better because they're on top of it. And so like a universal healthcare system, you would have that on top of it, But then you would need less for it because people would be healthier. And we know that from the experiments. We know that so much of 80, to 90% of health outcomes are from the social determinants of health. Like there's just so much that we're treating downstream that we would not need to treat if we avoided it upstream by having a healthier population. And then with education, it's a similar thing where, um, you know, Yang liked to talk about how there's only so much teachers can do. And because so much of it is the home environment. So if you make sure that students have a better home environment through this unconditional, basic economic security, then they can actually focus on their school, and they can have they can graduate at better rates. They can have you know, you know find get better grades. They can graduate through the system and actually have learned more um, because of it. So the dollars that we spend on that would actually go further um, if we had that floor. And so it just if you can imagine that floor and how important it is, then it makes sense that you know those other things can still exist on top of it and be better for it.
1: So should all inevitable needs be on that floor? Like it's inevitable that we need a safe space to live and it's inevitable that we need somewhere we can go to the bathroom. It's inevitable. We need to have food. Like, is it, is that kind of something that uh, we could even shift towards getting those particular needs away from organizations that, uh, um, take money uh or very greedy with these particular ev- inevitable needs. Cause I think there's just a lot of greed, like even just with medical, you know, uh, it seems like that causes a problem.
2: Yeah. And, and I don't even want to get into the whole nonprofit industrial complex. So that's <laughs> another conversation entirely. So.
4: Yeah. No, there is a whole poverty industry that exists because of the fact that we don't have a basic income really. And, you know, that's a, that's a big problem too. Um, but yeah, there's, as far as like figuring out the best way to meet, um, you know, all these different needs and and you know more important wants that you know we consider to be needs, like you know, let's look at something like internet access. You know, this is something that everyone should have. We we want to focus on making sure that there's broadband access um, to every person in the country, just like the you know the postal system works. And so. What is the best way of doing that? Is it you know cities uh, doing kind of municipal stuff and it's like city by city and it's like um say granted with grants by the the federal government um you know and then do you do like public utilities or or is it better to do like public private partnerships kinds of thing where you're able to use those dollars to have um, you know companies compete over that and do that you know like there's a lot of different ways to go about this um and that's obviously one of the reasons why. Money is so effective because um, you know if these things don't already exist already, then you got to figure out some way to get access to it. So you know even if you don't have municipal broadband where you are, um, you know if you have money, at least you can pay for it. And part of the problem with like rural areas too is is there's not enough money there to to make that um, you know investment make sense. Uh, But yeah, there's just there's there's a lot of stuff that that we need to do, and um, you know I, I don't like to think that that base kingdom is a cure-all for everything, but I do think that it's like a skeleton key that um, can unlock a lot of these doors that are presently locked um, without it, that so many problems become more solvable once we actually uh, take uh, our you know, daily survival off the table and, and that we actually feel secure and um, you know, don't have to spend so much time worrying about how we're going to make it by every month.
0: And Congressman Tim Ryan joins us at this point in the recording, so we switch over to focusing on him pretty abruptly. And uh, this recording is continued in episode 62, where we talk to Tim Ryan.